Hello, and welcome to Ideas Fulfilled, a podcast by Printful X Snowcommerce. My name is Elzabetha. I'm Dan. And in this little episode, we're going to bring you a few of the e-commerce trends that we've been seeing over the past month. Usually, you get these long-form interviews with some of the most brilliant minds in e-commerce, but this time, we're going to bring something a little bit different. Yeah, this time, you only get us. <laughs> So they just launched TikTok shops in the US. Currently, they're doing around 4 million in sales per day, and the goal is to get to 10 million per day. Per day. Per day, yeah, by the end of the year. So let's see. <laughs> High hopes. Yeah, what's your experience with TikTok? Uh, I assume you have the app on the phone? Well, definitely. Uh, I feel like we're both young enough too. I feel like this launch, like the US launch has been coming for such a long time. Mm. They've had UK for, for a while. And when it first launched, it was this exciting moment where uh, a lot of sellers were like, okay, th this is going to be the time mm -hmm. when we can finally reach like a bigger audience yeah. through a built-in e-commerce thing mm. on TikTok. And the US launch took so long that it felt like even more anticipation was built, right? And now yeah. that's finally out. I've seen uh, so much data and so much excitement online mm. by sellers. I've seen uh, TikTok shop do super well for someone like Barstool, for example. Like they mm. make content constantly yeah. about all of the merch that they make on TikTok shop. And I feel like this combination of amazing content made by brands mm. and this great like e-commerce platform working together is going to bring so many sales. Barstool is a beast, right? They have tons of teams. They have hundreds of people working on it. So when you compare that to a regular e-commerce store with like a solo entrepreneur, it's a bit different. Uh, I've seen people say that they're struggling actually and not achieving the results they hope for. So some say that it's like 10, 20% growth, which is, well, it's still like 20%, but they're not as let's say, satisfied as they hoped it to be. I'm really curious on what are the main struggles and from the customers that we are speaking with, is that content creation, that part that they're struggling with? Because like filming yourself or filming the production or whatever, design creation, it's not easy. You have to step out of your comfort zone quite a bit. It's still yet to be seen whether is going to be like a cool thing and whether it's going to be bring results in the long run. Uh, I know that they're coming out with a lot of things for e-commerce on or with TikTok in general. I just saw that they're uh, going to do, how do you call them, out-of-phone TikToks. They're going to advertise in airports, bars, and so on. So it's going to be like pre-curated content to be shown. Uh, I know that they have their own fil fulfillment facilities in the UK, so getting into logistics. So there's a lot of things happening. Still curious to see how this is going to get, like actually adopted by smaller brands, not just not just Barstool. Yeah, that's a fair point, because like we get to see these success stories. Mm -hmm. Something that I've seen a lot is a few very small brands blowing up by using like the TikTok shop hashtag. Yeah. Like they, they barely got any orders before, but then now through TikTok shop, like suddenly it's hundreds of orders yeah. <laughs> a day and they're so excited. And I've seen it also become almost an issue for some where mm. uh, these tiny brands who do everything in-house and like they, they package all their orders yeah. and stuff like that, like suddenly through TikTok shop, they get hundreds of orders and it's just backlog mm. and they can't <laughs> get through it. So it speaks to uh, also like the importance of like even us and, and mm. like having the integration because 
the combination of uh, fast growth mm. on such a platform and being able to utilize something like on-demand fulfillment is immediately going to like get rid of that problem. Like you having to constantly go through, okay, like I have this tiny warehouse in my basement mm. where I have all of my, I don't know, like homemade leggings yeah, and yeah. I just put them together. You know, it's even though like you might lose that bit of content creation where you get to like film, I package your order type yeah. of videos, which are super popular. I love watching them, but the scalability that you get mm. is so much more valuable. Well, I guess massive demand is a good problem to have, but uh, yeah, I do agree. Uh, and I believe we're on one of the only ones or the only Definitely the platform. first, you know, like uh, as of, as of recording, uh, I'm not <laughs> sure like how many uh, on-demand uh, suppliers are mm. like properly integrated with TikTok shop, but we were the first, which is... A shout out to Wealth from Partnerships. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, <laughs> and TikTok is such an interesting ecosystem in that way that they're trying to become like almost the next Google and YouTube mm. and everything. Like it's almost a platform where smaller businesses can create a niche of their own and mm. actually like find a space where they can advertise to people. Yeah, you know, like someone who I feel like is really useful to watch with something like this is someone like Mr. Beast, right? Because mm. he's like, conquered YouTube, check, that's done. And then, and now with something like, uh, like Feastables, he's moving on to retail and mm. trying to compete with brands like Nestle, right? For shelving space. Yeah. It's been such an undisrupted ecosystem in a way for a very long time. And it's almost like comparable because on TikTok, People get to find their own little little shelf to display mm. their products and be like, "Hey, this is my brand," uh, in 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 like a similar way. Love the segue. <laughs> a very interesting thing that I've seen him do uh, recently is uh, his like like spin the wheel promotions. Yeah. Do you see that? Mm. Right, like it echoes the expected but still functional ideas of gamification mm. in e-commerce, and yet it's done in this like unique and cool way. Yeah, I feel like people don't consider gamification enough as like a very useful tactic mm. like that we very recently did uh, a video on this where uh we talked about the psychological ideas behind why gamification works why uh, you feel like you're being given this opportunity and, mm. and you've won and you've earned something yeah. when you like spin a wheel and you get a coupon uh do you feel like for especially for like smaller brands it's still useful to implement i would say so like even spin to wheel i've been working with printful for three years and i saw spin to wheel really trend like two years ago and then people were saying yeah it's it's gonna die out uh the conversion rates are gonna drop because people mostly use it for gathering emails right so they said yeah it's it's gonna die out and now you see mr beast using spin to wheel so it's like it really depends on how you actually adopt it for your own brand because you can use it for okay, gathering emails. Uh, you can use gamification for making people shop around. I know that ASOS, for example, does a lot of these like secret discounts where they only re reveal it once you actually have all the items in the cart. And you've probably spent like five hours shopping around mm -hmm. and then you have the cart full and then only then you see the discounts. Sometimes they are hit and miss and it's like 5% off, really, like kick it out. Uh, but in general, that satisfaction, if you do find something with, I don't know, like 40% off, 60% off, it's a steal. Like you've spent so much time, you actually want something, right? So 
I think there is a lot of opportunity for smaller brands to adopt these tactics. You can like, if you follow Mr. Beast, if you follow ASOS or whichever brand there is, like there's something to take away. There's a reason why they actually do it, right? They're the content kings. Uh, let's call them that way. And I feel like this is actually something that I don't feel like people realize as much. Mm -hmm. The use of uh, these spin the wheel type promotions to gather emails and to gather information. I feel like somebody who has never implemented something like that feels like, okay, this is just like an exciting, fun thing yeah. to put on my store. When in reality, you're essentially like exchanging discounts for emails mm -hmm. while using this very cool and functional yeah. promo, right? Do you know what's like the typical uh, conversion rate for email gathering for e-commerce stores? Was it like two, three percent? Yeah, like it's super small. I mean, it, two, three percent is like somewhat healthy, right? Mm -hmm. Like if okay. you're just asking yeah. people to, hey, yeah. give me your <laughs> please. email, please. Yeah. Because <laughs> I saw with Spin to Wheel, some of the brands that we worked with got like 12%, 15%, sometimes 17%. I've seen crazy Spin to Wheels with like Halloween designs, uh, back to school designs, whatever, like make it your own. Uh, but 12, 15, 17% compared with like 2%. That's massive. And you can resell to those people like all all uh, holiday season long. It's just massive. It's a no-brainer, actually. Like if you don't have a spin to wheel, like you're losing out. So on top of spin the wheel promotions, mm -hmm. what are other strategies that you've seen work? Because like Black Friday and Cyber Monday are right around the corner. Yeah. And uh, you work with customers mm -hmm. all the time. So what are some things that have been super successful? Like what are other no-brainer promotions? Mm. I feel like collaborations or like limited drops in general work very well. Uh, we have this one customer that has done like five to six collaborations within this year with like similar brands and they don't consider themselves competitors, but actually like they're collaborating because like if you think about the world market, like a small brand here and there, it's it's not really a competitor. Uh, you should really share knowledge. So on the topic of collaborations, uh, I saw this really cool one uh, together with uh, Pokemon. I know that you say that Pokemon is never going to die out, but it probably will. Uh, but Pokemon Shh, and... Let uh, me live <laughs> with the fantasy. So they did the Pokemon and Van Gogh. Uh, collaboration drop. Oh, the Van Gogh Museum, right? Yeah, 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 yeah the I Pokemon that. cards. I understand that they were first intended for like giving out to kids or whatnot, but it sold out in seconds. Uh, a lot of scalpers. You call them scalpers, right? Yeah, like scalpers, resellers. Uh, this was, it was like a whole, not even a scandal, mm. but essentially. Uh, the Van Gogh Museum collaborated with Pokemon. Mm. They released a bunch of limited edition merch. And... Even before their social media accounts managed to publish anything like, mm. here's where you can buy this yeah. stuff, it was all gone. This could be like due to maybe like not anticipating demand, but that level of speed, like everybody's saying that it's resellers and scalpers, mm -hmm. uh, especially because on social media, like people bragged like, oh, I just bought yeah. like so <laughs> many of these and I'm going to yeah. resell them for a huge price. This is actually like a, an, an interesting question. How do brands who want to benefit from limited edition mm -hmm. collabs how do they prevent this issue of, of scalpers mm. and resellers? Like, because that that is a huge issue, like obviously with, with tickets right now, mm. right? We've seen with all of these huge tours that we've had over the past yeah. uh, few years. How do you fight scalpers, basically? It's a question of whether you need to fight them. There's a reason why they do limited drops with limited 
quantities, right? And I feel like that can relate to the whole like drop culture that became popular in what 2010s or so. So Supreme-esque, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. all the like hype drops. But they work because they are limited. They work because they are time time sensitive. And a lot of brands specifically choose to do like one out of 50, two out of 50, and so on. I really think it's a question of whether you should fight them. But then again, like Supreme and a normal e-commerce store that, you know, wants to make money and actually make a living. And for those... I do feel like print-on-demand can offer a lot of opportunity mm. because you don't necessarily have to limit it by quantity. What if you limit it by time? Let's say a drop can be live for a week and then everybody who actually buys during that week, they get it, right? They win, you win, everybody's happy. Mm-hmm. I've seen, I think, uh, a few content creators do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a few who have their own brands who are just like, oh, this limited time yeah, drop yeah. where only like this shirt is only available this Saturday from mm-hmm. like 2 p.m. to 6 p.m. Get it or it's gone, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. And then nobody buys it. <laughs> I mean, like, you never know. Like, I wish yeah. I could see their balance sheets, right? I wish yeah. I could like dig into that. But um, they keep doing it. So it must mm. work. We've worked with like a lot of brands, a lot of store owners over the years. And I've seen uh, content creators with million followers on Instagram sell three shirts. And I've seen e-commerce stores sell like 800 shirts off a design that they first thought, like, I, I shouldn't launch this. And they, they did. And it was the absolute bestseller that year and for the years to come. What print-on-demand allows you to do is that like flexibility. You don't have to worry about like demand. Uh, is it going to sell? Are you going to sell three? Are you going to sell 800? Mm-hmm. I think like that's, that's the beauty of it, that flexibility. I think is the keyword here. I saw recently uh, Philip DeFranco on YouTube, mm-hmm. like the, the news guy. The uh, brand uh, that he has, Beautiful Bastards, mm-hmm. they do new drops, I feel like, every week. Mm-hmm. And like, I am willing to bet my left arm that there's going to be <laughs> like some on-demand model going on there because mm-hmm. there's, you know, there's new designs every mm-hmm. single week. They're super exciting. People are genuinely excited about this, like the stuff sells. Yeah. But I can't imagine there being an endless warehouse of just constant new designs all of the time, you know? I know that you can do sometimes like limited drops off to like, let's say 50 units, but what if you could sell more? I do agree that there's probably not a warehouse, should be an on-demand model, but does he ever bring the, like the old designs back or not really? Even if he has an endless warehouse Mm. and doesn't bring old designs back, he should, he could. Like there was, imagine like one of these designs gets super, super Mm. popular. You could bring that back and that can be the bestseller and that can Mm. be the thing. And you wouldn't have to invest any more into it than you already have with Mm. an on-demand model, right? There's this one um, streetwear brand that we work with and they used to live off of monthly drops. So every single month on, I think it was a 10th of every month, they dropped new collection with multiple, single design, but multiple products. Mm. Like that was their whole bread and brother. And over the years, uh, people started complaining, hey, like bring back all designs, bring back all designs. And what they did was uh, they introduced a, a subscription model where if you actually pay, you can access all the old designs. So like, it's absolutely beautiful. Uh, they've been one of the top sellers uh, that my team works with. And it's just a pleasure to watch. Mm-hmm. And they kind of mix it up with evergreen collections, limited drops, sometimes weekly drops, collaborations and whatnot. So it's like, yeah, it's absolutely beautiful. 
so limited edition, but not limited edition. Not, not necessarily, yeah. yeah. Okay, that's real smart. <laughs> well, I guess their fan base is so freaking loyal that it does work. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know people sometimes get called out for, you know, that you say one thing, but you do the other. Uh, I don't feel like that's the case here mm-hmm. because they actually advertise their subscription model. They advertise the limited drop. So like, it works. It works for them. And if a fan base isn't loyal, that's not really a fan base, you know? Like the power of fandom is in the loyalty, is in the like actual care for the brand and the people behind it. They have crazy fans. They they have a segment that buys more than 10 of these limited drops every single year. Mm. It's like, imagine. A new shirt a month, Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. It could replace your whole wardrobe. (laughs) Maybe that's what they're doing. Maybe that, that is literally like the subscription model, you know? All right. So these were the things that caught our eye. And I feel like there's going to be huge developments in in a few of them, especially if you like TikTok, right? Uh, But we're going to keep looking uh, and finding things for future episodes. uh, And if there's anything that people want to discuss, you know, feel free, right? Where can they find you? Where can they find us? Uh, You can probably find us on LinkedIn. Certainly. Uh, Reach out to us, send us a DM. Uh, We'd love to chat about these topics and not only this. Uh, Also, all the social media channels there are, like YouTube, TikTok, uh, all of them, pretty much. This is the first of many episodes, so... I'm Elisabetta. I'm Dan. Nice to meet you guys, and we'll see you around. Yeah, see you next time.